Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today, USA Today NFL wire site covering, of course, the Arizona Cardinals, the team that you love to follow. And this is our third show of the week. It's episode 476. It is Seahawks week, week seven. And this is our opponent. This is not our opponent year preview, but it's a week. Week 7 Seahawks preview with the enemy. And so we have a special guest for you guys. It is Tim Weaver, managing editor of the Seahawks Wire over part of the USA Today. Tim is a, is, you should know Tim as he's been on for our season opponent previews a couple of times. And also, I believe he, he came on once for when he was covering one of the NFC, I think, was it the Panthers you were on a couple, couple three years ago for? Yeah, Carolina. Yeah, so we've had Tim, we've talked about Tim about the Panthers, we've talked to him about the Seahawks, but the def- this is definitely about the Seahawks. Tim, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you taking the time. How have you been? No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. So we look ahead to Cardinals and the Seahawks. This is this is a stretch for the Cardinals where the, it's their third divisional road game in four weeks. Their divisional road schedule is done after this week. Um, Seattle had the bye week. Uh, I look at the Seahawks and I see a somewhat puzzling team because their wins are good, but their losses aren't so good. They look like they have a great defense, and they look like their defense isn't great. Um, and then I look at I look at the two games like defensively in particular, their their yardage allowed has decreased every game, and they look like you know elite elite. But you have to take that with a grain of salt over the last two games because they held the Giants to almost nothing, and they held the held the Bengals to almost nothing. And the truth is the Bengals and the Giants haven't looked good this season except for two quarters against the Cardinals for the Giants and four quarters versus the Cardinals um, when it comes to their offense. What can you tell us about this Seahawks team defensively? What exactly are they this year? Well, it's like you said, it's a bit of a mixed bag. There's just there's an obscene amount of talent, especially on the back end. Uh, they're paying more than any other team like 50% more than any other team with safety, so they better be good there. Uh, Jamal Adams is back. He looks like he's himself again. Uh, Quandre Diggs is playing well as usual. They have Julian Love as a third safety now. He's always good. Uh, the cornerbacks are just ridiculous. Uh, everyone is very excited about Tariq Woolen and uh, obviously Devin Witherspoon, the number five overall pick coming in. But Trey Brown has been the guy that's making big plays this year. They have three really good cornerbacks. Like, how many teams can say that? It's just, it's a very rare thing. And they have some good backups, too. 
uh, and linebacker. Bobby Wagner is incredible. He's got Jordan Books playing well, which is a first in his career. Uh, they're just they're loaded all over, but they can't seem to get it get all the pieces together on any one given day. Either the offense is on and the defense is off, or like the run is going or the passes, and there's just there hasn't been one complete game yet, which is why it's hard to get a handle on both the defense and the team in a larger sense. I will say this though, the the way that they went out and made it a point to be better against the run, I think that's the one thing we can say, right, that the that the run defense is infinitely better than it was a season ago, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's a it's a total opposite. They went from being the third worst in the league to the third best. I'm not sure if they're still third. They're they're up there. I, I believe only three teams are aligned fewer yards per game on the ground um and that's that's yes it's personality it's bobby wagner it's jaron reed coming back and both doing that very well against the run but they're also doing schematic things so it was it's several things at once but yes that is the one definite they are much 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 better against the run this year than they were last year and so you're getting sacks there's they got 19 sacks but 10 different players have their 19 sacks are they getting it from uh, Boye Mafe and Jaron Jaron Reed? They both have, I think, three sacks each. And then you've got a bunch of guys with two. Is there one particular guy that's winning in the pass rush, or is it a con- is it a combined team effort? How are they getting their sacks? Is it through good coverage? Is it through guys winning one on one? Is it a combination of the two? Uh, I don't think it's any one guy. Now, Mafe is in the backfield a lot. He's getting a lot of pressures, but, like, there's no, like, superstar standout pass rusher, and that's been the case for several years. That's why I'm leaning towards I would love to see them try to get Brian Burns. I feel like I've been saying that for three years now, but I, I would love to get them to get Brian Burns or, like, a pass rusher on that level. So maybe someone take a chance on Chase Young, maybe, you know. Uh, yeah, they're, it's a team effort. Um, I would say more than anything, they feasted on two really bad offensive lines, the Giants and the, and the Panthers. I think they're, the Giants were definitely missing some people, and they just like went to town. Otherwise, it's been kind of average. Uh, for the Bengals, they got to burn for three sacks and five hits. Not too bad. Like the first couple weeks of the season, it was just there was nothing. They, were, they weren't blitzing, so they weren't getting any pressure at all. So it's, it's been this very up and down. I'm still, I still don't know what to make of the pass rush because there's been no consistency from week to week. We go to the offensive side of the ball. What, Where are we at with Geno Smith? He started out last year as an absolute revelation, looking like an MVP. Now, he was the comeback player of the year. Uh, his play declined a little bit late. Um, this year, he's not been bad. In terms of touchdowns, he is producing at a much lower rate, closer to what he did for early in his career. What is kind of the state of Geno Smith uh, in terms of where you view him among starting quarterbacks based on what he's doing this year so far? I would say Geno's still playing pretty well. Uh, while it's true, his numbers are down, it's also like all quarterback numbers are down. Um, this is something we've seen across the league. Defenses are generally getting smarter is, is the, the the short version of it uh, there, especially in the red zone as both teams are struggling coming in this week, they're tied at like 50% touchdown rate. Um, but everyone, everyone's offensive numbers are down. So you have to lower your bar. Even Patrick Mahomes, you see his numbers are almost human. Uh, that's just a function of, of, I think defense is taking away the deep ball more than anything. Um, and that was Geno Smith's best thing last year. He was probably the best deep ball passer in the league. 
Um, and defense, are, and it's not just one team. Everything, all teams are taking that away now. So you've got to make adjustments. And considering that the bar is lower now, I think Gino's still playing pretty well. Um, in the second half, in the fourth quarter against the Bengals, he was rattled for the first time this season. He's been very calm, very cool. He's been avoiding turnovers in general. But after the second interception, which wasn't even his fault, DK Metcalf actually took responsibility. He said he cut off his route. It wasn't his fault. But he just seemed kind of rattled after that. But other than that one quarter, Smith has been playing pretty well this season. Talent on, at the skill position is undeniable. Ken Walker. Uh, I'm really I'm really bummed that well I was bummed when the Seahawks drafted but I'm a big fan of Zach Charbonnet out of out of UCLA and I know it looks like he I don't, I don't know if the injury report came out quite yet recording on a Friday afternoon and as of when we started recording the injury report had not come out but it didn't look like Charbonnet was going to be able to play Ken Walker very good um, then the, the receiving core that you all have DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett so good and then you add Jackson Smith and Jigba. How has the rookie been so far, and and what is what is it this year? And should they be doing more, or is that to come? He hasn't really gotten involved yet, and that's one of my many criticisms of uh, offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. He started to come alive last week. I think he got four catches around 48 yards, which is better than it has been. Prior to that, everything he was targeted was near the line of scrimmage. And for three years running now, this has been the worst team in the league at screen passes. And anything they throw at or near the line of scrimmage is just going to be a disaster. Uh, So he just really hasn't had a fair opportunity to get involved offensively. I would like to see more of him. But on the other hand, the Yachts are also really, really good in 12 personnel. They're very productive with their tight end. So, like, there's a trade-off there you want to have take advantage of your first round draft pick and get three receivers out there, but you're also the best team in the league at 12 personnel. So I don't know. You have, you have to find some <laughs> kind of balance there, but I'd like to integrate him and also keep the tight ends involved if at all possible. DK is, is he starting to reach a point in his career where the physical play, the athleticism is starting to take a step back? I know there was a piece written, was it the Seattle times um, about his penalties uh, and now it doesn't sound like he's too terribly concerned. He's one of the high. He is the highest penalized, the most penalized receiver in the league, and a lot of those are 15 yarders. And he doesn't seem to think, though at least what he says publicly, that it matters a whole lot. He has been banged up for it seems like the last couple of years, right? And it seems a little bit like how how much can he? St- because it's been let me pull that up I just so it's been he had a thousand yard season last year um, but and now his, his yards per catch is back up to, to the 15 plus which is where it was at the first couple of years but uh, are we starting to see perhaps a slight decline from DK or is whether it's just because his body is what what's your take on that I I don't want to, I don't want to overstep what it is but that's kind of the, from the outside you see a guy that w- looked his first couple of years like absolutely unstoppable. I know the 2021 he was banged up even though he played in every game. Then last year he played in every game and he was still but you know it's only six touchdowns 11.6 yards per reception. Is he still the impact player? Like it, it looked like Calvin Johnson numbers and now he's 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 good but he's not definitely not Calvin Johnson. 
Right. Well, he, if you see him on the field, like he always looks good when he's making catches, when he's actually out there. He looks as potent as he's ever been. I think the numbers are partially a function of him playing hurt. Um, he's got rib and hip injuries going on right now, and we're not sure if he's going to play against Arizona on Sunday. Um, so part of it is just like he's always playing hurt just because it's kind of like you know, like Shaq in the NBA. He was always getting banged up, so like he, he was never 100%, but he'll just usually play through it because he's so much bigger. And uh, I don't know, he's still able to physically dominate most DBs. He dominated Jalen Ramsey here every time they play. Like, how many guys can say that? Um, but the numbers are down. I think there's several reasons for that. Again, that's Waldron. But there's also just so many mouths to feed. They have, like, you've got three with Bobo now. You have four good receivers. You have three good tight ends. You have two good running backs. You just have, there's a lot of mouths to feed. It's hard to get everybody involved. Um, but I'm not I'm not terribly worried about his performance falling off yet. Maybe if he laid off the candy just a tiny bit, maybe two bags of candy instead of three for dinner, you know, just small changes like that would help. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not terribly worried at this point. So uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff, some newcomers, rookies and newcomers. Who are the ones that are making it? Like, obviously, Bobby Wagner is sort of a newcomer because, you know, they released him. He played a year for the Rams, and now he's back in Seattle, and he's making a difference. Who are the impact additions both in free agency and what are you what are you all getting out of the rookie class so far? You've talked a little bit about Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit, but are they getting other impact, any contributions from newcomers, either rookies or veterans? Yeah, the free agents are mostly three guys uh, for the defensive front seven, which was their focus the entire offseason. Bobby Wagner and his presence overall has dramatically improved the defense. You can see just everyone communication is better everything across the board um is just tighter but jaron reed has just he's been playing out of his mind he looks like a completely different player this is like his seventh or eighth year in the league it's just it's very rare to see a player especially like he's playing nose tackle to just jump off tape the way that he does at his age um and draymond jones he started a little bit quiet but then he's been coming along i believe he has a couple sacks in the last two games those three guys that were their that was with their three big items in free agency what they're spending the most money on and so far it's working um the numbers aren't there every week there's still a little bit of inconsistency but like they are playing well um as far as free agency goes but the new guys everything is about Devin witherspoon this guy is freaking bananas and nuts like uh, to be for for a rookie to play a <laughs> cornerback rookie to play this well in four games is something that i don't know i've seen uh and being like, used I've, a lot of different the, ways because he's also one of the team leaders he's got two sacks as well right they're using he's a great pass rusher from the slot he's very very physical as a tackler he looks and he reminds me a lot more of uh people have brought up troy palomalu uh, but it's like he looks he's not quite as big as Cam Chancellor. Nobody's quite as intimidating, but he's got a little bit of that bam bam in him. Um, just a very, very willing physical tackler, which is rare for somebody in his position and extremely smooth in coverage. He he he, he wasn't 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 uh, shadowing Jamar Chase, but on those chances last week when he was matched up on him, he shut him down. There was just there was nowhere for him to go. Uh, very little separation. So just across the board against the run, rushing passer in coverage and making plays, he's creating turnovers too. Uh, just you, you have, I can't say enough for him to be this good for four games. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Where does he play principally? Does he play the play more the boundary or inside? Um, they're playing both, but more it's been inside. Even though he played no slot in college, they like Trey Brown and. 
uh, Woolen at the boundary position. So we'll mostly see him in the slot, but they'll move him outside a little bit as well. Okay. All right. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on and talk about matchups, uh, types of things. What what are the, what's Seattle going to try to do against Arizona? What are key matchups that we're looking at? That's coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best Cardinals talk on the web. Talking to Tim Weaver from the Seahawks Wire, managing editor over there. Talking about the Seahawks, who play the Cardinals this week in Seattle, uh, week seven. Let's kind of look. What do you see the Seahawks trying to do with the Cardinals coming into Seattle this week? What's kind of going to be their game plan? Um, and is there any feeling? I don't think. I do not believe that Kyler Murray will be activated this week. But I could see a scenario where he's activated to play a series or two. I'd love to see it personally, but I don't think it will. Um, what This game is going to be hard for the Cardinals because they keep losing guys. But what is kind of the goal? Uh, what do you see Seattle trying to do to match up against the Cardinals and just, just take care of business? I think they'll try to dominate them on the ground. This is something that's been... Kind of an issue. They've only had one game where they really ran over their opponent. Uh, Walker had 97 yards and two touchdowns. But other than that, it's just been a, a below-average run game, which is unusual for this team. This is obviously something that Pete Carroll prioritizes a great bit. Um, but Ken Walker looks fantastic. It's not his fault that the numbers are down. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he's leading the league in forced missed tackles on runs. He's just extremely elusive and explosive, and he's much more patient this year than he was as a rookie. I just, I can't say enough about how good he looks, but uh, maybe it's, it's, it's a combination of the blocking hasn't been there because they're missing a lot of guys up front. Abe Lucas, the right tackle is probably their best run blocker. He's been out since week one. Uh, they just have a lot of injuries up front in general. Like they've done, a, the backups have done a pretty decent job altogether with the exception of Jake Coran at, at right tackle. Um, <laughs> the blocking hasn't been there. And I, this is, Maybe I'm the only guy who thinks is I just don't like the run calls more often than not. If they had a more creative run game, uh, like they don't have, you know, I would love to have an offense like uh, Ben Johnson is running in Detroit or the creative runs they do in Baltimore. But that's just, it's not in the cards for a Pete Carroll team. It's just not something that they do. They like to run between the tackles. They like to be, we're, we're bigger and dumber and meaner than you, and we're going to run over <laughs> you downhill. There's, there's not a lot of misdirection going on there. Um if they were just if they mix that up a little bit more, I think it would open things up. But uh, that, that's a little over my pay grade. Saying specifically, they need to try these run plays. You know, I don't know exactly what would work, but something different would be a good place to start. I think. Are they a team that will attempt, or do they use the blitz much? Do they get home with four? What's kind of their uh, philosophical take defensively? For years, it's been they rush four no matter what. And when they were ten years ago, when they didn't need to. It, they would get pressure if they rushed two. It didn't matter. Um, but now they need to blitz in order to do it. The first two weeks, there was no pressure. Pretty much the same story as last year. Just very, very little uh, pressure. No hits at all, I, think, I believe, the first week. Uh, they started blitzing in week three, and obviously part of that is playing a poor offensive line and taking advantage of that. But they blitzed again a lot in week four. That's just a huge, huge departure uh, from what they've done. No matter who the defensive coordinator has been under Carroll, they blitz very little. Uh, but they seem to be willing to do that more. It didn't work against Joe Burrow, but that that's kind of predictable. That's what he does. He'll just throw right at wherever you're blitzing him from. It was not effective that much. <laughs> but now they are. I'm I'm glad they are embracing the blitz more, um, and it's not so much just a standard uh, four-man rush. 
as we look at matchups, is there an area that you think that Seattle is significantly better at a particular matchup? And if there is one, what do you think is the the Seahawks' weakness matchup in this in this weekend, um, facing whatever the Cardinals have to offer? Yeah, I would say the the well, this is true most weeks, but their wide receivers against Arizona's DBs. Um, I had to look up who your cornerbacks are. I wasn't even sure. Usually, I, yeah. I at least have some idea of what's going on with the yeah. division rivals. Like this is it's deep. Marco Wilson, it's really bad. Keytrail Clark, <laughs> and and well, like, if everyone's healthy, you've got Marco Wilson and Keytrail Clark on the outside. Uh, Keytrail, who's a, a rookie for out of uh, fifth rounder out of Louisville, and then you've got this year Jalen Thompson. Safety is playing in the slot as their main slot defender, but Thompson's probably out this week. And Hamilton, who would be the backup slot probably out this week so i'm not exactly sure how that's going to look marco's healthy keytro been limited this week i'm pretty sure he plays and i don't know who's going to play in the slot whether they use starling thomas undrafted rookie starling thomas to play the boundary and slide keytrell in so yeah i i don't know i i we don't know yet because yeah. of it, the injuries it's not going to be great most likely and like they're getting better it's not just metcalf and lockett now like jackson smith and jigma is due for a breakout game and jake bobo is adding little splash plays here and there every week it's just it's across the board like that they don't quite have cincinnati superpower at wide receiver but i can't think of anyone else who's better or deeper at the position right now um as far as their weakest point, that that's the pass protection. Uh, specifically, I mentioned right tackle. Uh, Jake Curran has been there. I don't know if Jason Peters can play. Uh, he, he's got to think everyone is injured for the offense. Yeah, I noticed line, that so everyone on the offensive. Play. So it looked like like crosses, crosses limited, Damian Luce is limited. So it looked like, I would guess, are those guys going to play? But Evan Brown and Phil Haynes and Curran was, was trending upward, but it looks like probably Haynes and, and Brown would be out. Who would be in the game if they're out? Uh, Alu Aluatimi, the, oh, the rookie, rookie out of Michigan. Yeah. He did, yes, he did very, very well against the Giants, and usually Giants is nothing, but the one thing they're good at is that interior yeah. defensive line. He, he stood up Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. He did an excellent job. Uh, Pistol shut out in pass protection. He's been great when he's out there. Um, but yeah, the big question mark is right tackle. I don't know if they move Zayvon Collins around if he's lined up over left tackle or right tackle. But right they tackle do, is they do where a whole lot weakest. of move around. In fact, um, that right tackle position they've been getting a lot of production out of. So Collins has got two and a half sacks. Dennis Gardeck's got four sacks, and, and Victor Dimikaji's got three sacks. And a lot of that comes has come from the right side, especially with Gardeck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very vulnerable. I feel, it feels like Geno Smith has just been, he's been very good at avoiding sacks this year. I think he's like top three and like, and there's a, there's a nice avoidance uh, stack, sack stat that I found. He's right up there. He's been very good at avoiding pressures, keeping his eyes down to you kind of thing, but it's just, been, it's become a little bit too much the last couple of weeks. Just he, he doesn't have anywhere to run. So that's the one uh, Achilles heel they have right now. If, if they can really exploit that and, get to him the way the Bengals did in the second half, then they might have a chance at an upset. Coming up next on the Rise of Seward podcast, episode of Carl's Talk on the web, let's move on to the segment predictions and, and of the sort. That's coming up next on the Rise of Seward. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, best of Cardinals Talk on the web. Let's talk picks and predictions. If you had to pick who's going to have the stand-up performances on both sides of the ball, who do you think, if you had to predict that right now, who would that be? I'm always going to pick Tyler Lockett against the Cardinals. I feel like 
he's had at least three or four games where he just goes off. Like it's not every time, you know, it's not like a consistent, you can rely on him for 75 yards and touchdown, but he might go off for like 200 yards and three touchdowns. So like, I'm going to pick him. I'm going to say this is a lock at week. Um, especially because the cornerback situation oh. is rough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now I, I will say this, if, if you paid attention over the last few games, uh, the Cardinals have been getting up big numbers. They gave up seven catch, seven for 148 and a touchdown to, to Cooper Cup, 148, 158 yards and a touchdown and rushing to, to Kyron Williams. The previous week, uh, you, Jamar Chase, 15 catches, 192 yards and three touchdowns. Joe Mixon had 80 yards. San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey scored four times, had 179 total yards. Brandon Ayuk caught six passes for 148. Tony Pollard ran for 122 against him. <laughs> the Cardinals, the Cardinals have been a fantasy boon for opposing players this year, and yeah, I I totally see. I can see Tyler Lockett having a big game, um, especially if I had to pick one. Uh, I actually like the with DK Metcalf. I really kind of like Marco Wilson against him. Uh, I think he's that. That's the type of matchup that he kind of thrives a little bit more. He did. He did get roasted really bad. Like he looked bad against Jamar Chase, really, really bad against Jamar Chase. So maybe he he steps up a, a bit and, and plays DK a little bit better. Um, but the second, like offensively, the Cardinals and I mentioned this in the in the written part. The Cardinals have been outscored ninety eight to thirty this year in the second half of games. They the Cardinals have not scored more than eight points in a single second half, and they've given up seventeen points or more. Um, three times in a second half of games, and this, that's kind of how I see this going. If you had to pick a guy who would have a big impact, like if you had to pick someone for the Cardinals to have a big game, who do you think that would be, if there's anyone that's going to have a big game? Well, there's not much to pick from, is there? <laughs> Buda Baker's out. You got James Conner out. Kyler Murray's we'll out. I think Buda will be back. James Conner's on IR. Kyler's not going to play. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think I have to pick Zayvon Collins. Like he's looked good against them the last couple of years. I know they've won three in a row, but that's the one guy who I think has been the most disruptive in the last few matchups. Um, they move him around a little bit, and uh, even if he's just over left tackle, Charles Cross isn't a hundred percent yet. Like they, I, I don't think they rushed him back, but I also don't think he's hundred percent yet. So there's vulnerability on that side as well. Yeah, uh, I think that. Now this comes down to Josh Dobbs. As as good as the covers is, coverage is, Hollywood Brown, he's been cooking everybody this year. Now the only reason why he doesn't have big numbers is because Josh Dobbs, frankly, just can't get him the ball. He's been wide open. He's been behind defenses so many times this year, and Dobbs just, just missed him. So I see this as a potential breakout game for, for Hollywood. I don't know if it'll mean anything for the game, but I think that they'll be productive early. The Cardinals are very good in the first half, which is why I picked them for our best bets for Week 7 for every team. And that was the Cardinals' money line in the first half because they are 4-2 and two in the first half. They've had the lead in four of their six games at halftime and just fallen apart after that. Um, you predicted a, a gross game, didn't you, for <laughs> for the behind I the did. lines? That, that for the, what you gave. So explain, how, how do you think this goes down? Uh, spoiler, 
he picking the Seahawks, just like I'm picking the Seahawks. But he's he doesn't have the faith in the Seahawks that I do. Yeah, I feel like this happens at least several times a year. I'm more down on on the Seahawks than the other editor is, but I don't. I I just think <clears throat> maybe I'm being influenced. I'm seeing all these defensive numbers scoring down across the league and red zone specifically for these teams, and our third down numbers are just atrocious. I believe uh, they're thirty first in the third down thing. That, that's another thing that's been going on for longer than this year. Uh, just several ongoing problems offensively that don't make any sense given the level of talent that they have. It's just, you have a good quarterback. They have, you know, they're just loaded across at practically every position and they're not performing in the red zone or on third down. Um, so there's that. And I just think like it's going in the wrong direction. There's too many injuries for the offensive line. Um, I'm just feeling a low-scoring game. Maybe it'll rain. I haven't looked at the weather report yet. It but is Seattle. It, it, it makes feel sense. appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Rainy, low-scoring, lots of punts, lots of injuries, just a gross game. I think I, uh, 18-17 is the final score. I think they, they played like a, a field goal kickoff once a few years ago. I'm expecting something like that. Oh, that, that, that reminds me of that gross overtime game. <laughs> That overtime game in Phoenix on Thursday night football, 6-6 tie. Nobody wanted to win. The Cardinals absolutely dominated that game, but neither team wanted to win. Their kickers kept missing kicks. It was it was gross. But I see things going differently. I think the Cardinals will have the lead at halftime. I see it being 13-10 at halftime. The Cardinals have started well. They, they've been getting out good starts. And so I think they go into go into half with a 13-10 lead, but I think it's going to fall apart as it has every every week, except against the against the against the Cowboys, and even then it almost fell apart. Um, so I, I think that Seattle goes off in the second half, scores three touchdowns in the second half, and then then roll with the 31 to 20 win. Um, you know the the talent. We've seen the t- we see the talent that, that that Seattle has, and the fact of the matter is that the Cardinals have been the get well team this year. For a lot of teams, the Giants looked good; like they scored thirty one points in the second half against the Cardinals. I don't know if they scored thirty one points the rest of the season. Uh, the Bengals were awful offensively for four weeks, and and then last week as well, and they absolutely went off against the Cardinals, and so. I totally, I totally see this going away. That the Seahawks pull away, especially because the Cardinals absolutely they they were they could do nothing in the running game. The Rams they ran three times for five yards in the first half, and then on their first possession of the second half, they ran the ball nine straight times. It went down the field and scored a touchdown. Kyron Williams had over 150 yards in the second half, and so I I, I expect Ken Walker to do well. I expect Tyler Lockett to do well, and and it'll be. I think this is. That this is the week when Seattle gets well, and it's understandable because the Cardinals are just so thin. We even with Buda Baker probably coming back, it's they can't sustain what they've been doing. And, and honestly, Josh Dobbs isn't good enough to play at the ceiling level that he has. So I have the Cardinals losing thirty-one twenty. And my my kind of my betting strategy is I have them on the money line in the first half, and if they're if I win that bet, I'm going to ride that because if they're leading at the half, then I get a nice low like it won't be plus odds but it'll be low it'll be low minus odds on seattle money line and i'll go ahead and hit that and win twice in the game that's that's what i'm thinking 
There you go. <laughs> so, Tim, I appreciate your time. That's Tim Weaver from the Seahawks Wire. You can find his work there, yes, at seahawkswire.usatoday.com. Tim, how can, like, if, if my Cardinals fans out here want to follow you on Twitter, are you on, I can't remember if you're on social media or not. I, I'm not on social media, but the web page, the Seahawks Wire, guys. Twitter. Seahawks, Seahawks Wire. Wire. I don't. Don't call it X. Call it Twitter. It's, we're, not, we're still on it's Twitter. Not, it's Twitter. Come on. What is he? What is he on <laughs> thinking? No one's gonna call it X. No one. Anyway, <laughs> this is episode four hundred and seventy-six. Tim, I thank you so much for your time. This show, like, hopefully, well, hopefully it's a good game at least. Um, we will probably, yeah. if I can, get Tim back on later in the season when they meet again later in the season. That's Tim Weaver. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise of Beard Podcast. Thanks for listening. As always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red. And of course, Rise Up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.